Scanning. Identity authorized. Welcome to the Secret Superhero Club Podcast Network. On today's very special episode of the Animation Station Podcast, I am joined by Caleb Masters from the Cinematropolis as we discuss four films from the Animation is Film Festival that was recently held in Los Angeles. The films that we're going to be discussing are Boonwell and the Labyrinth of Turtles by Salvador Simo, Fanon by Dennis Doe, Mirai by Mamoru Hosoda, and three short films from Studio Panak titled Modest Heroes. Please check out these films when they're available in your area. They're all absolutely fantastic. Hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everybody, welcome to a special episode of the Animation Station Podcast. Today we're going to be reviewing some films from the recent Animation is Film Festival um, that was going on in L.A. Um, We were lucky enough uh, to sample some of their wonderful, wonderful movies. And I'm joined today by... Caleb Masters from thecinematropolis.com. Hey, so, thanks for the invite. No, no problem. So how's it going, Caleb? That's good. It's uh, it's Saturday, and we're watching a bunch of animated films. I'm hyped. Um, and in fact, I'm discovering some. I'm really excited to talk about the uh, the entire slate of films we have, because uh, it's, a, it's a really exciting list. Definitely. And Caleb, real quick, just for our regular viewers, why don't you tell everybody about yourself and the Cinematropolis? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I am a... Uh, film critic and podcast producer, so I've been reviewing films since back since 2012. Uh, that my latest sort of venture is a website called thecinematropolis.com, and what we do is we talk a little bit about films, uh, but we don't necessarily do strictly reviews. We're more interested in talking about like the ideas that are working in the film, like hey, what's mm-hmm. this film actually about? What's the film trying to say? What's it trying to communicate? And also, we're in- really interested in hey, like how does how does this get made? Um, we do some reviews here and there, but we really want to make sure with every, like, we like it or we don't like it, we're actually really talking more about, well, okay, we like it or not, but even if it's a bad movie, there's still some stuff to talk about there. Um, so it's more uh, analysis-driven. Um, so we have a monthly podcast called The Cinematic Schematic uh, that is a, usually it's like a feature-length show. We have one segment that's talking about a new, newly, newly released film. Our second segment is called Soundtrack, where we analyze film scores. And our third is usually like an interview segment. And then we have some extra bonuses we drop here and there. But it's the, called the, the, the podcast is called The Cinematic Schematic. And for those of you guys who like to read, uh, thecinematropolis.com is a website full of written essays. Where we take a deep dive and a closer look at what makes films tick. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, and then I, I podcast for a living. That's fun. Woo. <laughs> oh, man. Must be the life. Podcasting for a living. Woo! Yeah, man. <laughs> um, and we'll put all of the links to uh, the Cinematropolis and uh, the link to the website in our show notes. So all you have to do is just click on that, and it's going to show everything. This is going to be a really long episode, because basically what we're doing is we're reviewing all of these films. So we're watching the films, and then we're reviewing them right afterwards. So this is going to be a nice long episode, but we're going to break everything down into nice little chunks for everybody. Hey, man, it's like hot off the presses. Exactly. As in we, we just finished watching this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the first one we had today, and you're going to have to help me with uh, pronunciations because I'm atrocious at them. Um, it's was, it's called uh, Burnell in the Labyrinth of the Turtles. Yeah, so it's a uh, Boonwell in the Labyrinth of the, of the Turtles. Yeah, and it's uh, you know it's funny. I was calling it Boonwell too because I didn't realize what it was, and I was we get about twenty minutes in, and I said, "Oh wait, this is a movie about the the famous filmmaker 
Louis ben- Bunuel. I had no idea that th- that's what this movie was. It also didn't help that I spelled Burnell on my notes, so that probably did <laughs> yeah. not help. No, it's, it's tricky, though. I, so it was a really nice surprise because I was like, Bunuel, Louis Bunuel. Wait, I, this is a movie about like that Bunuel? Because st- it was when he was trying to figure out how to get money for his movie. I was like, wait a second. This sounds familiar. Where do I know this from? Uh, oh, yeah. Like this really... Uh, so Louis Bunuel, for listeners who might not know, he's a, a very famous avant-garde filmmaker from Spain. Um, he kind of made a na- his a name for himself in the 30s, doing very experimental documentaries. Mm-hmm. Um, or <laughs> he started making documentaries and turned them into fictional works. I don't know. It's very he's a very experimental film director, but he's uh, highly acclaimed. I think six of his uh, films have been ranked in uh, Sight and Sound magazine's top. Uh, 150, you know, 250 movies of all time. So he's a very well-regarded uh, filmmaker in in that sphere. Um, and the the movie basically more or less follows uh, Louis Benwell as he is on on the uh, adventure. And I'm not even going to try to say the actual Spanish name of the of the film, but basically it's uh, his 1938 film, The Land Without Bread. Is this animated film is basically documenting the making of that movie. Uh, an animated form, which I thought was a really interesting decision. And, and I like that they do the cuts from, like, the animation to his actual film. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that they do that. That's really, really cool. It, it was a really neat tie because there were several shots where they you see them framing up the shot with the camera, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you cut, and it's live action, straight from the original source, I imagine. Yeah. It was super cool, very effective. There were some of the some of the more visceral moments of the film, I thought, came from the original footage. Exactly, yeah, like when they... And spoilers, obviously. Um, this was the world premiere, so um, we're one of the very few that actually got to watch this, so thanks, everybody, for that. Um, so, yeah, when we see the chicken get its uh, head pulled off... Yeah, that was rough. And it's like... Oh, okay. I was expecting a nice little animated movie. Yeah, yeah, I know. And that's the thing about Louis Benwell, too. Uh, He's one of those kind of starving artist types. Uh, And what I mean by that is he's one of those guys who will bleed for the art. So he actually killed animals on camera. He was known to do that. Uh, He was known to do a lot of things that are definitely not considered ethical in filmmaking today. Um, but uh, he believed in he believed in uh, the art that much that that mm-hmm. he thought it was necessary to rip a chicken's head off on the camera. And I like when when I first started seeing that this was an actual movie, I was like, okay, this is really cool. But the history nerd in me, I was like, wait, we're in the 30s. Mm-hmm. Stuff's not gonna go well. And then when we get that end, when his uh, friend and financier Ramon was executed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and his wife were executed, and I'm just like, oh, wow, yeah, this took a really sharp turn real quick. Yeah, no, it's interesting because you spend the entire film uh, following the making of this film, his relationship with his financier and his producers, and, of course, at the end of the film, uh, really the whole the whole animated bit is all, everything's fine, but then we get those post, the, 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 what happened after the movie, and it's like, oh, his financier, his name was stripped from the credits because he was executed, because of his heritage or his beliefs. Yeah, they said he was a uh, I think communist fanatic or, fanatic. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, there's a lot about a lot of the communist scare. Mm-hmm. You know, just early on, they were throwing a lot of a uh, lot of uh, heat. Yeah, a lot communism. of fascists going up and everything. Uh-huh. They, kept, they kept calling. Uh, uh, help me with it, Bunnell. Bunnell. Yeah. Bunnell. Um, they keep calling Bunnell a fascist like the entire time. When he first has his first uh, video right. or his first film. 
Like, people are, like, throwing... I thought that was a really cool scene, too, where it's this animated uh, screen, but they he throws a chair... Like, someone throws a chair through the screen. Right. But it's live. It's, like, the actual film. Yes. And so it's got, like, the the actual film still playing. So you have that live action element mixed in perfectly where this chair goes through this animated screen. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really cool scene. I was like, oh, wow, that was really, really good. And the whole bit nice with uh, when we see death. Yes. Yeah. I, I noticed it the first time when we when we see it. It's got that. It shows that wide, and right. it's got uh, he and Death standing there, mm-hmm. and like Death's this old man who looks remarkably like a Disney villain. Yes, and then but you just see Death's shadow, and it's just all skeletons. Yes, and I was like, oh, that was really really cool. I was really hoping that ominous. they were going to go back and show that because mm-hmm. otherwise I was going to be like, did you catch that? Did you catch that? Did you the, catch the, the, the skeleton? The skeleton. Yes. So, but they went back and I was like, perfect. Yes. Yeah. It was a really nice touch. Very ominous. A lot of foreshadowing. Yeah. And that, that's what's interesting about, you know, telling the story again through animation, which I think is a really interesting choice for this film. Um, about a historical figure, they work in a lot of foreshadowing about the journey he's going to go on mm-hmm. through his life that, um, I mean, I guess, you know, if you don't know a lot about the director, you don't have to know that to see the ominous foreshadowing. But, you know, when you, it's kind of like watching the Star Wars prequels or something you're like, oh, yeah, I know this ends up and it's not good. You know, uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot. There was a lot of that uh, vibes I was I was getting from the film. Again, again mentioning the time period, this is uh, the, the late 1930s. So we're uh, entering World War Two era by the time we get to the end of the film. Uh, Nazis, a uh, uh, huge rise in fascism uh, in Spain and also. Uh, and then, of course, in, in Germany, you have the Nazis. Uh, so it's it's a uh, very dark times. Yeah, I would, say. I, I, would, I would be interested to find out what happened to the two Frenchmen, the the camera guys, and everything. Mm-hmm. I would be interested to like uh, it was Ellie and I can't remember the other guy's name. I didn't get his name. Um, I, I would be interested to find out what happened to them because we found out what happened to uh, Ramon, but I'd like to find out what happened to those two as mm-hmm. well. That's going to be some Wikipedia digging. That's going to be. Better. It's going to be probably Josh's night, just yeah, digging just, on Wikipedia. On Wikipedia digging. Hey, man, the nice thing about this is all this stuff is really well documented, so you can find... Hey, hey, this is a filmmaker that's very well regarded, so there's a lot of interesting... Yeah, there's, there's going to be a lot of reading done by Josh on this, because <laughs> like, I saw this, and then like I thought it was just going to be just a regular story. I didn't know anything about this, um, but then... Because like, even with the, with the little blurb that we got, um, in a stranger-than-fiction tale befitting the master surrealism... Uh, surrealist filmmaker Louis B- uh, Bunuel. Bunuel. Yeah, I need to, I need to write that down. Um, Bunuel in the Labyrinth of the Turtles captures the moment when, based on a wild lottery ticket promise, uh, Bunuel and his friend and new benefactor Ramon set out to make the unexpected and ambitious documentary of the. Uh, how do they say it? It was like uh, Las Herdes. Las Herdes. Las yeah, Herdes. Um, region in Spain. The production says uh, test. Boonwell's mental uh, stamina, as well as the two men's friendship, as the fate of the project comes into question. Like that doesn't help if I don't know what. If you the, don't know who, who Louis Boonwell is, you're probably gonna be like, I, I don't know no what, idea what any of this yeah. is. Yeah, I was just like, oh, cool, it's gonna be a you know, gotta make a film. Interesting. Yeah, I, well, I think it's it's cool because I do think. I mean, I don't know. What did you think? Did you think it worked well enough? Did you were you pretty engaged with the story at all? Not having the historical context. Yes, very much so. I, th- there were parts of it that seemed a little bit long for me but at the same time there wasn't any part where i was like on my phone like because that's how you can tell if, yeah. if i'm not really on it, i'm gonna pull my phone out right but there was no part where i was just like i'm gonna because I, I, I wanted to see where it went yes so i think if we were to watch this again 
going back now knowing what I know, I think it would be a, a much better film. Right. I mean, not to say that it, like upon first viewing it was trash or anything like that. Like I really enjoyed. Yeah, but, this. but you didn't really know what you were. Exactly. Wa- I had no at. idea what I was going yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I know. I think that's a great point. Um, because and I'm I'm actually really glad you weren't aware, and I wasn't aware either. But once I caught on, I was like, I know what this is. And uh, it's very surprising. I, I thought it was really a really well-told story, though. I, I think the characters are all like... Well, I think Poonwell is a very interesting figure, and I'm, I'm, I'm interested in how much this actually aligns, because I actually thought he was kind of a... Kind, I don't know if a jerk's the right word, because he was never mean, but he... He just he, like he was, was very he much, was very he was focused on the art yes and he like the money was no object he would just like throw mo- his money money away like it was no one's business he would kill animals on the camera I'm like oh dude I like how he was like yeah I bought this yellow Fiat I'm like that's a that's like a Range Rover bro. yes <laughs> that's not a Fiat yes or uh, I don't know ha- I don't know what thirties Fiat looks like well, or how he had those two guys from. The ta- at the beginning, the taxi he taxis in these two guys from Paris all the way to uh, Madrid, I think, or something. No, no, it was for, past Madrid. No, no, it was past Madrid because they were Cause like because this place is like almost to Portugal when yes. they showed that little map. Yes, so it's like wow, that's a long way. Yeah, no, tons. And he's just like ah, no big deal. And all they can, all his benefactor can do is smile and nod, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and of course, his wife hates him for it. <laughs> yeah. But no, I know. I think it. I think this works really well as a film uh, with or without the historical knowledge, because I think it's a really compelling story. I think I really like how they incorporate some of the avant-garde styles and the the um, visions he has and the dreams he has, because he's known for being uh, a, a big part of that movement. Um, when you're looking at surrealist film, mm-hmm. so which deals a lot with dreams, and I, I think the, this pays homage to that without getting too surreal itself. I like how in the film he hates being compared to Dolly. Yes, um, but at the same time, like all of his all of his dreams and everything that he has, like especially that one where he kind of like snaps in the bakery mm-hmm. and like the the baguettes melt, and then he goes outside and everyone's kind of like pushing in on him mm-hmm. and then he sees the giant elephants on like with you know stilty legs, legs yeah. walking through that was really cool i also like the the other dream that he had where he was like feeling up the virgin mary yes at the beginning that was such a strange i was like sequence. what's going on and then it's like here's a giraffe and then yeah. he opens the giraffe it's like look inside and i'm like never look inside a giraffe no it's like begging for problems <laughs> and he kind of like opens it up and the chickens come out and he's got this mm-hmm. fear of chickens the entire film. Right. And I, I love that. I like I would like to know if that was real. I'm sure it is. I, I, I have to imagine a lot of these instances are at least based on things that he documented like he made uh, noted in a journal or his friends knew had happened to him. Because it seemed like this seems like it paid it paid very close attention to to details uh, like that. Which is one thing I like about it. I will say it does probably get a little slow. Um, I'm not sure there's only there's only so many times where you can see them doing something crazy with the camera to get a mm-hmm. shot before you're like, all right, we get it. You guys are really he he's making you guys do whatever it takes to get the shot. So you know, I think I think you raise a great point about the pacing, but uh, overall, I think it's a very effective uh, moving film. Oh, I, I guess we didn't uh, mention this film was it's a Spanish film directed by um, I apologize for the pronunciation uh, Salvador Simo. That's, that that sounds right. Yes, that, yeah. Um, so, I, I will say, too, like, there was, a, there was just enough humor in this movie, too. Mm-hmm. Just enough humor. Oh, yeah. Like, really, it was really, really it was bits. really dry. It was very It, it reminds dry. me of, like, Christopher Nolan humor, where it's like, there's not very much humor, but, man, there's a couple, like, really dry smirk 
Ah, uh-huh, and you chuckle a little bit, mm-hmm. and you kind of chuckle like, "Is that this guy's kind of a jerk? Am I supposed to laugh at that?" It's kind of funny. I got, yeah. I, I had a lot of moments like that. I, uh, the, the uh, like, I'll pay you ten coins to rip one of their heads off. Yeah. The guy like <laughs> looks over at the three guys. And he's like, "Which one? Which the, one? Yeah. Oh no, 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 the chicken." He's like, yes. "I do it for a coin, but you're gonna pay me ten. Yeah, you know, like, it's really, there's really good stuff in there. I, I thought that was, they, yeah, there were some really nice little, little jabs that they would put in. Yes. Um, it was kind of weird at the beginning when it's a it's a Spanish film and it starts off and everyone like they're like you hear just these sounds like uh, cafe sounds and like they're in France mm-hmm. and everyone's speaking French and I'm like I was like wait a sec I'm like that was French right That's... right right but it's coming from a, Spa- it's a it's a they're in France but we're uh, this is a Spanish filmmaker uh, making a movie about a Spanish filmmaker yeah so it was a little bit like what okay that that gives some context that we're in France yeah. Um, it, it, there is a lot of traveling in the film too. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And they, they do a really cool job representing that throughout the you know the good old uh, old school Indiana Jones map hopping. You know when they travel yeah. from town to town. Thought that was a really neat little touch to get kind of keep us clued in like where are they at right now. Yeah. Um, and I thought like the the representations of the people that were in the film and then the people that were drawn. I thought that was really, really good. I really like the backgrounds, especially if we're going to... Let's talk animation a little bit. Yeah. Um, I loved the backgrounds in this. Like, all of the, the villages that we went to when we were in the cities, when we were in the... Uh, uh, out in the, the wilderness. Um, like, all these different places. Everything looked really real. Everything looked lived in. It looked like they had gone out to these places and then just drawn them. Yes. It, yeah. was, it was really good. Yeah. No, I had, it had that certain, like, really immersive aesthetic to it. I mean, it reminded me a lot the the the, the human faces, uh, the character design reminded me a lot of the characters from the complete Persopolis. I don't know, have you seen that one before? I don't think so. Oh, that one's really good. It's uh, it's another historical, um, animated film. It's actually based off of a, a graphic novel of the same name, and it's about a girl growing up in Iran, uh, Iran, as it switches from a more progressive American friendly regime to a much more, um, uh extremist regime and okay. the leadership, a huge cultural shift. But it's, uh, I kept thinking about that, going back to that movie a lot. Uh, now that movie, it's all black and white. So there's some differences there, but the way the characters are drawn, the way they move, um, you know, and the type of story they're telling are very similar. It's the, it's, it's, this film is recounting the a real life of somebody. And also the way that they have like the, the dream sequence was all those, a lot of similarities I noticed with that film in particular, which I th- I really like because I think the complete Persopolis is uh, one of my favorite animated films. Nice. All right. So, would you recommend this to um, your average watcher, like, or who, who would you recommend this to? Yeah, average watcher's tough. I don't know how much the average viewer is going to get into this, because um, it, it's about something. I film fans, film people who are cinephiles or particularly who have a, a love for foreign film, mm-hmm. absolutely. This is a yeah. huge recommend. This is like a watch it, buy it, put it on your shelf or whatever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For your average person though, I mean, I would say find your cinephile friend <laughs> and be like, hey, let's watch this movie together. I hear it's good but I don't know, I don't really, I don't really know what the deal is. Because uh, I, I, I think it's so good that people should check it out but I think this is definitely going to be something that plays a lot stronger to people who have a pre-existing knowledge of Boonwell or Th- those are the people who need to find out about the movie so they can sell their non-film cinephile friends yeah. on the idea. Because I feel like if you were just an average person and you started watching, you're not going to have a clue about what it, what's the why is that really important, um, which might take some time for folks to get into. Yeah, I- I'm in that same boat. Um, it's one of those, like, I have, you know, my friends, and it's like, I don't think that they would enjoy this because none of us, we like, 
we watch like cartoons and we watch anime and we watch stuff like that. Like it's not this is this is not a film that would typically be in our wheelhouse, but just watching this, I really enjoyed this film. Like it was really really good. They it, it's one of those that it makes me want to go and I want to go out and I want to investigate and I want to figure out what's going on more in this film. Yeah. So I, I really I really enjoy that. That's very cool. So the the land without bread, add that to your watch list. As a as a double feature, that will be a. I how am I gonna find that? <laughs> <laughs> sure, Filmstruck has it. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna go ahead and go into our next film. All right, so for our second film, it was a Belgian, French, and Cambodian film by director Denis Stowe. Uh, nay, it the film was called Funan. Yeah, yeah, Funan. Yeah, Funan. Yeah, and this was the North American premiere. And man, this hit one. This this hit you hard. Yeah, no, this uh, this one uh, it, it's really tough to chew on. I mean, because uh, it, it's basically about a very uh, important historical event um, in the Cambodia in the seventies, and more or less what you're looking at is how a new regime comes in, overthrows a pre-existing regime, and does so by labeling people as uh, you're uh, one of the revolutionaries, or you're part of the revolution. Uh, and in this one, I believe they're anti-capitalists, but everyone who doesn't fit in with the revolution, you're actually an enemy. Um, and uh, this is the way that basically like this this revolution uh, breaks up uh, families. Slowly but surely, these people lose their rights, and eventually they, they start getting rationed on food, and eventually they get divided, uh, children ripped away from their, fa- uh, children ripped away from their parents. Uh, all very timely with... Um, uh, certain things happening at, at the border, southern borders of the uh, United States. So it's, yeah, oh, it uh, it hit home, uh, uh, and it hit hard. Yeah, um, like like you were talking about, it's a very timely subject, and this takes place during in Cambodia during the seventies uh, during the Khmer Rouge, which was the whole big communist party coming over and taking over Cambodia until they were pushed back um, later. And, man, from from what I know of, you know, what I've read on the subject, this was very, very accurate. Yeah. Um, And according to the film, I mean, I unfortunately have not done a lot of research into this, but the way that uh, the film is uh, dedicated to the director's mother Mm -hmm. and his brother and to all the exiles... So there's got to have been something there. So I don't know if he lost his mother and brother. I at least had family members. Had family members affected. that were affected. Yeah. Um, and man, this, it starts off nice and happy. Oh, yeah. Families yeah. together. They're all off on an adventure together. You know, just. Uh... And then it takes the Disneyest of Disney turns. <laughs> yes. And. Yeah. Disney turn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, only because, you know, you know, Disney, they like to tear families apart. Well. So <laughs> it's been known to happen a time or two. <laughs> yeah. Uh all of the Renaissance. Yeah. Um so we start okay, so I, I guess we can kind of read uh the little blurb and I apologize I'm going to be do terrible pronunciations and that's my ignorance. Um winner of the Cristal for feature film, um the highest award at the Annecy Sorry, Annecy International Festival of Animated Films. Fanon is a powerful and beautiful story of a young mother's fight and determination to hold on to her family during during unspeakably rough times. 
during the Khmer Rouge madness of the 1970s in Phnom Penh, uh, young mother Cho's life is brutally disrupted when the population is deported to camps and she is separated from her four-year-old son. While her world far- falls apart, Cho um, remains steadfast in her determination to find her son and reunite her family, even if it means risking everything. So the majority of this film is Cho and her husband, Kunan. Mm-hmm. While they're trying to find their uh, their son, I could not pronounce his last name. Their son. S- their son. Is it Savan? Savan was what I heard, yeah. Yeah. So they're trying to find their son, Savan. And because he gets separated pretty early on in the movie. Uh, yeah, I'd say in the first like 20 minutes or so. Yeah, because he's, he's three at the time when the movie starts. Mm-hmm. And he gets separated... Um, and by the time the movie ends, it's been three years. I think years? it's three years. I, it start, I believe it starts in 1975, and I think it wraps up in 1977, 78. Mm-hmm. So two, two or three years difference. Yeah, so it's been a while. So he's this young little three-year-old. Uh, he gets separated with his grandmother. She goes back to find him, and everybody else, the rest of the family, is kind of moved off. I mean, and they're kind of forced into this other camp. And so they're having to work. And you slowly start to see everything kind of unwind. Like they they're they're thinking they're gonna get to this town. They're gonna see uh, like their cousin Sook, right? And he's going to help them. But Sook has been yeah has, is, uh, is now a member of revolution. this revolution. Revolution, yeah, yeah, but yeah. And that's the thing they they don't they, like a lot of oh regime changes. I mean. The ideologies pit families against families, so people get separated, and all of a sudden, people you used to be able to trust, you don't know if you can trust anymore. Um, and it's really tragic because it, it just feels like it's a snowball in, in this in the case of this story because it's not just one thing goes wrong; it's that the the, the family doesn't even realize what they're up against. Yeah, and, and what it's going to cost them ultimately to 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 reunite and get and get to safety as well. And man. Just and this family, I do not know what this family's name is, but they go through so much throughout the course of this film. Because first, the um, they lose, they they lose one member of their family, um, and then I believe his brother runs away. Right, and then then it gets worse. Because uh, then Hoot and Kanan, they're like sent away for months and it's just uh cho lily and her mom for a large chunk of the the film by themselves like it it, the way it's described is it seems like months and months have gone by right without the men coming back right and something terrible happens to lily and she ends up killing herself because she would rather kill herself than basically be made into Almost yeah, like this uh, a prostitute for food. Pretty yeah, much. it's 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 basically a prostitute. It's prostitution. I mean, yeah, for for food, but like it just uh, she's objectified in the same way yeah. prostitutes are. Yeah, and the fact that she doesn't want to do that, she ends up committing suicide. Right. Um, and then her mother just kind of she dies as well. So she's basically just choleth by herself. Oh, but I did like that Hood came back, and. When he came back, I was like, he's going to kill this dude, and I want him to right, kill this get, get guy so bad. Yeah. 
and he did. And I was like, good. I am, which is sad, which is really bad to say. But at the same time, well, I'm know, sitting there. I'm like, I hope this. I hope this dude dies. Well, you know, I think that's kind of um, one thing the movie does really well, though, is he does get revenge, but it's not. It's not celebratory or glorified. In fact, oh, no. you, you, I mean, I mean, really, it's a. It's a, it's a sad tragedy because uh, you know this character is losing a bit of his has lost a piece of his soul. So I didn't really feel like it's like yeah oh you get your come up he gets comeuppance but I didn't really feel like it was celebratory or like a yeah audience moment. It's like it's more like a ooh yeah. It's like he knew though he, 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 he knew what he was doing. Oh yeah, it was one of those like I'm gonna die. I know this, but. And well, just so, yeah, I, I like the idea. It's tapping into the, the the consequences of violence. It's like, yeah, I mean, you can get comeuppance and you can get revenge on uh, revenge on people who have done you wrong. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really make you feel better. It doesn't really solve your problems either. I mean, mm-hmm. it might feel all better in the moment. And I think this movie does a good job at, at displaying that overall. Yeah. Oh man! And then Kanan finally comes back. Um, because Cho's basically like. Choi is basically like she's mm-hmm. she's checked out. She's she's done. She's gonna give up the ghost pretty much. Um, and then he has possibly found their son. So she, you know, he kind of like nurses her back to health, and she gets this will to live again. Right. And then they go off, find their son, which is there. There was a part when that happened. When they go to the uh, like the children's camp, yeah, and it's been bombed, yeah. There was a part of me that was like, "Their son's there." Yeah. There was there was a part of me that was like, "Their son died in this, right?" And this is where we're gonna end this story. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm and obviously it's it's happier that it didn't happen. That wasn't the outcome, but I mean that did happen to a lot of families, exactly. Though, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, a lot of families did lose their children that way, and. Uh, Again, I think it just it really speaks to how well this film demonstrates uh, how um, regimes driven on ideology really uh, dehumanize other people, um, and it comes at the cost of children and innocent people, and usually the poorest people in the in the country. Um, so, yeah, uh, that one hurt. I I also like how you know uh, you were talking about uh, regime uh, regime changes. And when you see this, it's like, yeah, comrades, yeah, you're gonna work for Angkor and everything like that. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, yeah, but you guys aren't. You guys are just you're forcing them into slavery. And obviously, you can't say that because you know you're gonna get shot. Well, yeah, this is not a country, a place where you can say, no, this isn't real communism. This is exactly. slavery, and uh, you're 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 being enslaved and saying, oh, but you're part of the revolution. And you're going to go and do all this terrible, awful labor for hours and hours and hours eating very minimal rations while people higher up the hierarchy are not having to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I mean, that's it's, that's definitely uh, not uh, – kind of shows the the, 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 the huge flaw. And uh, not, in, not in the ideology of uh, communism, but how – with that particular regime change that was implemented. And that usually is how it is. You know, um, a lot of uh, ideologies when they when – they, when, whenever – these are like ideological wars or these these big regime changes that are pushing ideas. A lot of it's rhetoric. It's like, oh, yeah, we're gonna all going to do this together. But really, no, you're going to have people up top who are actually driving, the, cracking the whip, yeah. driving the slaves. But they've convinced everyone else or at least enough other people that they are all part of the revolution together. Exactly. It's, it's never it's never really genuine. Uh, and I think that I think that shows in this movie mm-hmm. several times. Yeah, they they do make a. uh they make a clear 
And Kit says, like, this is what we were going to do with this. And they portray it very, very well. Mm-hmm. They're like, we're going to show all the injustices and how this didn't work. Right. And this is what we're going to show. Right. And even at the end, when we have Kanan uh, has gotten with, uh, they found their son. Right. And he goes and he basically sacrifices himself yes. so that they can make it to, over over they the border into, into Thailand. Thailand. Yeah. And yeah. I I did like I thought it was very it was very moving because like this whole entire time when things are going good when things are going bad he is blowing you know on the back of Cho's neck mm-hmm. you know you know rustling the hairs and everything yeah, like yeah. that so this this uh, theme this commonality between the two of them showing their love for each other throughout the film and then at the end you've got that breeze that comes out after he gets shot you have this breeze that mm. comes by. And, you know, kind of, like, gives her that push yep. to keep going. Yeah. No, I think it's a really beautiful moment at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's th- that's the real emotional core of the story. Um, and I think it pays off uh, really, really well. Um, yeah. The relationship, father, son, wife, family, you know, just the the fight for survival. And the, you see these consistent trends about uh, their love throughout the film. Yeah. Um, what would you think about the animation? Oh, no, I think it was really good. Uh, it's... It's a lot of browns, man. It's not a happy movie, nope. and uh, the animation definitely uh, conveys that very well. A lot of browns, a lot of grays, and it gets grimmer and grimmer. Um, there are moments. There are, and what's cool about this is there are moments of 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 warmth that we see, yeah. specifically in the scenes where they're they're together as a family, um, and those tend to be warmer. Uh, but I, I appreciate that little little touch with the palette. But no, it's a dark brown gray war movie uh, yeah. it's not a war movie uh, per se but it, it feels like one yeah um, it's it's a movie that takes place within a war yes like you're not going to see all of the like you're not going to see the battles or anything like that you're going to see what's going on behind the scenes right right the, the, the everyday what how did this how did this war affect the everyday person mm-hmm. um and they did a lot like it's very we're getting into this like the special like cg animation that we're getting into nowadays. Uh, um, yeah, uh, like uh, the Dragon Prince. I've been watching exactly that, where yeah. it's like it looks like it's two D, but it's actually three D. Mm-hmm. And but then when there's when people are moving, you can kind of tell a little yeah. bit. Um, whereas this, I mean, there, there's not. I mean, so so you've been watching the Dragon Prince. Yes. So I really like that show. There are a lot of like almost like cli- not not clipping issues, but there are a lot it, of. It looks like it's lagging. Move. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like when someone's coming through a door or there's a hug, there's a lot. But there wasn't a lot of that in this movie. I mean, there there were maybe a couple moments. Maybe. I, I think maybe. this movie handled it pretty well because I didn't feel like it was – well, firstly, it's not as stylized as something like The Dragon yeah, Prince. Yeah, exactly. Which I think makes it a little easier. It, it helps the frame rate run better. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not going to claim to know the technical side of it, but I know Dragon Prince, it always feels like you're playing a video game where the frame rate drops a lot. Well, I mean, they put uh, so many – bright colorful moments in that show uh-huh. uh-huh versus this where i didn't really maybe once or twice i felt like oh, okay maybe there's a little bit of a weird transition here and there but it was never really that distracting for me the only color that you really see in this film is um you see a lot of the the red for uh the rouge in there that that happens um and then like uh, there's a good amount of greenery in just like the world itself but everything else is very dark mm. um so would you who would you recommend this movie to? 
Oh boy! So first, I'm just gonna throw out, throw it out there. We'll, or yeah, final thoughts. Final we'll, thoughts. We'll, we'll see. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, I feel like this is definitely a movie that the if especially if it gets a good campaign push from the right people, uh, this is gonna have a a huge shot at the Oscars for best animated feature. Um, nomination probably not a win because Pixar is a machine that doesn't stop moving. Best foreign, uh, maybe. Maybe yeah, best foreign best film foreign. or best animated feature. I'd love to see. Yeah. It. I I think it's well deserving to get nominated in either one of those categories, mm-hmm. um, especially the animated uh, feature. They've been working in more foreign films into the animated yeah. category in recent years, and I think this is very deserving. And I I feel like it it's an outstanding film. I think it checks the boxes the Academy is looking for. Uh, it is timely. I mean, obviously, this is about war. Uh, in Cambodia in the 1970s, but there's there are striking similarities to some of the imagery we've witnessed in the recent months about yeah. what's going on on the southern U.S. borders uh, with immigrant between immigrant children and their families. That's the type of stuff that it, fe- it makes it feel a little more socially relevant. I know the Academy um, tends to at least acknowledge uh, films about stuff like that. So, um, so I just want to get that out there. I always love playing the Oscars game. <laughs> Um, I, you know, who would I recommend this to? I think I'd recommend this to most people. Yeah, I, I really do because I think it's timely. It's a, it's a, it's a f- film about family, and just I would probably hand it and say, "Hey, this is this is kind of a heavy movie, but I think it's really important you watch it right now." Um, maybe one day it'll be available dubbed, but I don't even care. I'd say I, I, I yeah. Th- there was one thing because I mean, since this is French, um, like everyone speaks in French. Mm-hmm. There's part of me that's I wish they would have speaking Cambodian. A couple times, yeah, yeah. I think it would have made it feel a little bit, you know, harder mm-hmm. for you um, and, and, you know, giving you a little bit more of that, you know, connection. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's where, like, the last two films are all they put them in French. In French. <laughs> so, oh, the French man. Oh, man, those French. They make good movies. Uh, and fantastic animations, oh, too. Yes. Like, they, they can tell a story. Like, they're up there with Japan with, like, we can tell you a story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm the same with you. Like, I would recommend this film to pretty much anyone. Yeah. Like if you, if you want a, a touching film about family and I mean it's dark but yeah, it's heavy. It's yeah, heavy. You you let people know that it's going to be back to the future. It's going to be heavy. You you plan you plan There's either a, a fall after for afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> it was <a> bad. <laughs> well, you know, if in you plan a follow-up movie or a ha- happy event afterwards when you're exactly. done cuz it's, it's it's heavy where you're going to feel it at the end, but I think it's worth watching. I think it'll stick around with most mm-hmm. people. And I like um what they did, what they did with this, uh, with this presser, um, they're following it up with another movie that I know I'm looking forward to. I'm pretty sure you're looking forward to it. So I think that's what they did when they, when they set this up, they were like, all right, we're going to go really heavy and then we're going to go, go fun. Yeah. And we're going to go fun. Let's do fun. All right. So on to the next one. Let's do it. All right. So for our third film, we got to watch and I, I was very excited for this film. I don't know about you, Caleb. But oh, yeah. I was I was very very excited for this film, um, and it's uh, Mamoru Hosoda's new film Mirai. And yeah, I, I've been looking forward to this one for a while. I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, Hosoda-san's films, and uh, I think uh, this one in particular, I'm like, there's time travel elements uh, afoot, so I'm mm-hmm. always always perks my ears up because it's one of my favorite kind of plot devices, and I'm always interested to see what he's going to bring to the table. Yeah. So. Um, what is what we'll just go before today what was your favorite or is your favorite uh, hosted a film i mean digimon our war games man come yeah. on come on uh no it's not it's not my favorite film i think i like summer wars uh quite a lot more uh although 
which it's is just same, a, which the, is a longer it, version it, of Digimon War. It's the same movie. It, it's uh, it's the same movie without all the brand, like without all the Digimon elements in it. Yeah. But it's very similar. It's like, all right, we're gonna have this big battle on the internet. It's gonna take place to these avatars that people have built for themselves. Uh, yeah, but it's longer. Has uh, it's able to work w- uh, with a lot of his ideas, family oriented. Um, the idea of bringing families together to overcome great. Uh, challenges and defeat evil. Really great film. Love Summer Wars. Digimon Our War Game. Always gonna have a soft spot. And for yeah. those of you, for, for those listeners who haven't heard familiar, that's part two of three in Digimon the movie. Because in Japan, the Digimon movie was three separate movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know it came over here, and we were like, Fox Kids was like, uh, throw it all together. Well, yeah, because they cram it into like an hour and thirty. Because I want to say none of them were very long. Well, none of those. Well, our were, war games forty minutes. Yeah, they're all. So. They're all none of them are like. Uh, they're all like thirty to forty minutes long. None of them. No one of those three movies they they put together was long enough to carry an entire theatrical film. So they weirdly threw three different movies together and wrote a through line, which is weird because it's yeah. not not really there. But yeah, it, it, it's not there. And then we they cut a lot out too. They cut a good chunk oh, yeah. of those films out. Um, especially with my boy Ty, uh, Joshua Seth, my my man. I do love some Joshua Seth. He's one of the iconic uh, anime voice actors, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. Uh, when I got him on, uh, and we interviewed him, that was like little little Josh's dream came true. Oh yeah, yeah. Did he yell at you with his Thai voice? Uh, yes. Oh, he got he got this Thai voice in there. Um, now we did, and like I thought, you know, because normally when when somebody talks, like they'll they'll put on the voice, but the whole entire time, like. Ty is pretty much just his regular voice, except sometimes a little bit more high pitched. That's but crazy. It was. I was just like, "Oh wow, I'm talking to like grown up Ty." That's uh, that sounds like a hell of an interview. Oh, yeah, it was great. Um, so Mirai, I I didn't really know what to expect going into this one because it was one of those where I wanted to be surprised going in. I didn't want to because it's already out in Japan. Um, I didn't want to be spoiled by anything. So going in, uh, all that I knew was there was a girl. She kind of comes back in time because I thought she was supposed to help save her brother, which I guess technically is true. I mean, she helps him out. She helps him learn some lessons, you know, yeah. some person perspective. Um, what did you let's initial thoughts? What did you think about the film? Well, I mean, I think it's a it's a great little film. I I think it's uh, in a lot of ways. I see this more or less as a Hasoda's spin his own little my neighbor Tortoro and the reason I, I, I say that's because it focuses on toddler characters they're not even fully really children they're toddlers very small children or small child I should say uh, and it's just them explore it's 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 a, a, a story presented as if you're exploring his the child's imagination or is it magic we don't know it, it kind of in a similar way to my neighbor Tortoro it's a very ambiguous um, you're like oh wow we saw some crazy stuff that's Seems unrealistic, and it could either be his imagination or reality. Um, so I, I definitely felt some Totoro vibes off of it. I think overall it's really good. I do think uh, it does feel like it drags on a bit in the middle. I, I think it had a strong start, strong conclusion. Loved how everything wrapped up and how yeah. he how he really. I, I, I'm at first they were kind of playing the family themes, the idea of like family ties, very subtly, and I was like, huh. I really wish they'd go a little further with it, but then the last act, he goes all the way into like the the weird kind of fantasy, spiritual essence, and idea of family, and how what 
your great grandpa did in the war has impacted your uncle. And if all these things hadn't happened, you wouldn't be who you are. And, um, just kind of put some perspective into the, the value of the relationships we have with our siblings or parents or cousins or grandpas. So I, I think it, I think it turned out pretty well. I, I can't say it tops uh, summer wars is my favorite of his films, but I still think it's a, a great Hasoda film. Uh, not nonetheless. Uh, exactly. I was, I was really happy with the film. It was good. Um, there, there were there were some parts. Now I don't know. It, it may have been my my laptop, or I don't know what it was. But when I watched it, I had this massive drain of color. Oh, that's, so that's unfortunate. That was a little bit weird. It's but a very it, colorful movie. Yeah, but it, it was weird because like if I went in and I changed the um like the quality from like you know auto to like ten eighty to like seven twenty or anything like that it would flash the the actual color of the movie for a second, and then it would go back to this very muted movie. Huh, that's strange. So I ended up having to watch it again. I think it made a connection. Um, but it was weird, weird that it was... Yeah, I, I have no clue. It was it was really bizarre. But I was able to watch it with the color, which was very nice. Um, other than that, I had... I had a lot of strong feelings towards this. Like, it, it reminded me a lot of... Um, girl who left through time yeah so i was very much girl who left through time the entire time no pun intended oh Um, awful puns (laughs) so i I was very much in with that but i think you know you and i briefly mentioned it before we started this movie does take a while to get to where it's going yeah it really does so i mean i want to say uh you don't know what that. You don't even find out Mariah's name. It, like what Mariah, the significance of the name ha, of the film has to the movie until like, like 20, 20 minutes in. I'd say about yeah. I'd say ballpark of twenty minutes. Um, it just really I I like the prim the premise of it, but then there's a point where it really takes a while for this whole like the whole premise of this movie to kick in where it's really firing on all cylinders. Um, it's a slow it's a slow moving one, slow burn for sure. Um, there it was weird like. I was waiting for them to say, like, his full name instead of just Kuhn at the end. I was... No, man. Because it's, it's, it's like an honorific type thing. So right. I, was, I was waiting for that. It was like Kuhn-chan, and I was like, wait, what? I was so confused. Well, I, th- I think... I think uh, this is just me speculating, so I don't know. I, I think the naming of Kuhn was specific... Uh, was uh, intentional just to be... This could be any boy, right? This cocoon's like the the title, yeah, in, in Japan, um, for for boys generally, and uh, yeah. So I just assumed, okay, well we're just boy. I don't know. Yeah, I maybe may, that, that's that's complete speculation on my end, but that's kind of how I took it. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, basically, has no name. Yeah, because it could be any boy, any big brother who's ever had uh, a sister or a brother come home mm-hmm. who gets envy. You know, whenever all of a sudden uh, the new baby's getting all the attention. Um, so we don't really want to spoil this just because this is getting a U.S. release, uh, later in November and the beginning of December. So we're not really going to spoil, like, key plot points of this film. Um, other than the fact that Great Grandpa was a very attractive man when he was younger. Yes. Um, I was like, dang. And there's time travel involved. I guess we've already yeah. slipped that well, out Well, I mean, there. That, that's, it's one of those, like, that was part of the credits, like, or part of the synopsis for the film right. that even G Kids was giving out for their trailers, mm-hmm. so we kind of knew that there was already going to be time travel. 
And there's a gelatin cake that looks phenomenal in this in this uh, movie. Did you delicious. see the gelatin yeah, cake? Uh, gelatin cake, yes. I, I looked at it and I was like, I, I was I I really wanted to know if gelatin cakes like that exist. So uh, a brief Google search later, those gelatin cakes are real. They are. And they look phenomenal. They do. You want to fly to Japan and get one right let's now? Let's go to Japan and let's go get a let's just go get a gelatin <laughs> cake. Um, but what did you think of the animation in the film? I, I think it's pretty consistent with what Hisoda-san's done in some of his other films. Uh, I, I, uh, it's a little more simplistic than other anime uh, out there. I like, but I like everything. Feels like it's soft. It's got like a everything's got like a soft coat of paint on it. Like the um, even when it's very vibrant, the, the, the people they look soft. They're it doesn't look quite as um, what's the word I'm looking for? The color palettes are soft. The people look. I don't know. I like that. I don't know. I'm trying to. I like his character design. Yeah. If you've seen the character design, his other movies, you know what I'm talking about. It's a lot different than what you see in something like Dragon Ball Z or even Ghibli films, for mm-hmm. example. So I like that bit. Um, I think it does what he does best. I think it's pretty consistent with even with Summer Wars. And again, I don't want to spoil the, the end of the film, but they do some really colorful, elaborate things that yeah. remind me a lot of the the way he designed the internet in his previous film, both. Uh, some wars and our war game where you're like, oh, mm-hmm. we're doing some cool stuff with circuit boards and making it appear like a lot of different things are going on uh, with that same type of animation. So I thought it was great. I, I mean, like it's consistent. I was never surprised by. Well, actually, you know what? That's not true. I, and I can't spoil it. There's one character in particular. Yeah, I know exactly that what you're talking was wildly about. different than everything well, else in the I movie. Think we can spoil that because it is in the preview. Well, I, I, I will mum's the word. There is a character that is wildly different, that shows up about two-thirds of the way through the film, or maybe even later, really close to the end of the film, that is animated wildly different, and I thought he, she, it, her, whatever, was awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And it was, it, it, yeah, that was a surprise. That was the biggest surprise. Well, there was that one, and then there was a smaller one attached to that right, one. Right, right. That both of them, I was looking, I was like, wow, you guys, like, it's weird, like, the animation is completely different, but it fits. Yeah. Yeah, they make it. They make it work. It feels like it's out of a completely different movie, but in a way that I admire. It doesn't feel like it ruins the movie or changes the tone. It's just like, whoa, this is doesn't look or act like anything we've seen yet. Yeah, which is kind of the point. Uh, we're in a, kind of a nightmarish blur at the time. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I also want to give a shout out to. I really, really dug the editing style for this one. There's a lot of that. It's it's an animation, so it's not uh, in, in more traditional film. You'd say like cross cutting, or you have a lot of shots where you see character move into one room and then we pan and, and then you pan just up and the same character is doing a different thing mm-hmm. like but we don't see them get from point a to point b and that's a really really clever way to show the passage of time that i i really admire like this character we see him walk across the frame oh this character is doing x well now they're going to be over here we're going to we're going to instead of cutting we're going to pan to a different yeah. spot in the house um it's a different thing else I, it's really clever definitely gave me the sense that this is we're going through days and weeks of time at a time with these mm-hmm. uh, edits. Well, it's it's cool that you say that because I noticed that too. Like in like one of the first scenes that we have when uh, Kun's grandma comes down and is going like across like the yard area down to his little play place entryway. There's there's one of those. It's like a pan, but like because she starts here at the top of the stairs and then we pan. There's a tree, and then she's at the bottom of the stairs. It's like, you didn't walk that fast. But I, I like how they did that. And then they kind of up their game from there. Mm-hmm. It's like, here's just, you know, like 30 seconds. But then we're slowly going to get longer and longer and longer and longer. 
as time progresses. Um, I I do think as well that this movie, just coming off of the last movie, uh, like his last major release, which was uh, The Boy and the Beast, the animation looks a lot cleaner. Sure. Than like than all of his other films. Like this and like the animation on this one, everything looks a lot cleaner. Because there there are some parts, um, uh, say like in Wolf Children or in Boy of the Be- uh, Boy and the Beast, where some of the characters kind of look a little bit. It looks a little weird. Sure. But then in this movie, everything was really clean. Everything was really compact right you you didn't have any really bizarre angles unless you had needed to have really bizarre angles Mm -hmm. um so i I really enjoyed that so just watching it you can see a progression in his films yeah no i think it's um an continued evolution because i never saw anything in this film that didn't look like something i had seen in one of his other films other than the one character yeah um but but it it feels like it's a through line but yeah cleaner more polished maybe a little maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe a little more refined yeah um I, I just really like the idea he's dealing with here because it's a, a the, his a theme he's going he's always going back to is the idea of uh, uh, the, the crucial importance of family. We saw Summer Wars that being a big thing. Wolf Children that's a thing. Um, Beast and his boy a little different, but I still think the idea of family and kinship's really really important. Um, in this film, I, I like the idea that he's really playing with with some in some really fascinating ways. You know, the idea that family ties uh, go deep and they influence us in ways that we often don't realize or ever see. I think that's that's really cool. Kind of adds some weight uh, and value to uh, the relationships we have. Exactly, and um, I think it's going to be cool that we act, we're actually going to be able to see this on the big screen pretty yes. soon, relatively yeah. soon. It's not like one of these, um, like something that we had watched previously. When and I did find out on the G Kids site that Modest Heroes is actually going to come out as well. It's going to get a theatrical release. Oh, and excellent. So I'm like, oh, that'll be nice to actually see that on the big mm-hmm. screen as well. Um, you may not know, audience, uh, we kind of flipped back in time. We Oh, see, because like, this is going to go before. Never mind. It's, uh, yeah. Time travel. T- yeah, we're magic. time traveling this episode. Editing magic. Yes. So you'll be able to catch Mirai in theaters. Uh, there's a subbed and dub showing November the 29th, then a subtitled showing on December 5th, and then a dub showing on December the 8th. So Excellent. I'm actually really glad you mentioned that because we didn't mention that we actually watched the subtitle. Correct. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious to see the dub because the dubs on his films are usually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure Michael Center Nicholas will be in this. Because he is in the majority. If it's an anime film, Michael Cinder Nicholas is gonna be there, and Stephanie Shea, she will be there as well. Um, like they were, uh, uh, Michael Cinder Nicholas. He was the main character in Summer Wars. Mm-hmm. He was also the main character in Your Name. Ah, um, and yes. Stephanie Shea was the main character in Your Name, and something else, possibly Wolf Children, I believe. Maybe I'm not a hundred percent. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, so that'll be out there. So definitely go check those out when it comes out, support the film. Uh, I, I guess we didn't really talk about music that much. I will say I loved the beginning song of this, the little, um, Oh, how does it start? It's like a, Mm. is it kiss kiss? Yeah. Oh, it's cute, cute. It's cute, 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 uh, cute, cute. And then, 
heart heart or something. I don't remember, but I love it's that. Ca- it's, I it's thought catchy. it was really good. Yeah. And then I really like the outro song as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. There, there is one thing in this movie. I wish we would have gotten a little bit more of something after the credits. Sure. It's like we kind of end in this one spot. And I'd like if we would have gotten a little bit more of them growing up. Sure. Sure. Which, yeah. spoilers, I mean. Um, I'm sure it was intentional not to do that because that yeah. feels like a low-hanging fruit. So I'm, I'm interested in as to why they didn't do that. Yeah, because it's one of those – because I – I would like to see it during the uh, during the outro because like that's you know usually when they show a bunch of you know pictures and everything like that, which uh, hosted the films they usually show the progression of the story. Like in Boy of the Beast, you see the progression of the story again. Um, so maybe I don't know. Would have been I, nice. Would have been nice. I think it's uh, I think that's an intentional choice. Um, not sure what that is, but just seems yeah. that that, that uh, intentional decision to leave that out. Um, so who would you recommend this film for? I mean, I just recommend this to anime films in general. I, I think it's a good, it's a good film. I think all of Hosoda films are recommendable to most people, especially with the dub, um, for even for average folks out there who casually like anime. But no, I think, I mean, yeah, this is a must see. It's not my favorite Hosoda film, but I, I think it's a strong feature. And I think a lot of people are going to find a lot to like about it. Yeah. And I can't wait to see it again. Like I said, with the dub and who knows, maybe, you know, we'll see the dub and maybe it'll, maybe it'll pop that up. Yeah, no, yeah. That, that, very, that can happen very, very too. Possible. That, well, that, that's the thing. Whenever you're watching uh, subtitled, for at least for me, um, I I'm never distracted, but it's a, you're, it's a different experience because I'm able to focus more on the animation when I'm watching it dubbed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that I'm the subtitles are never distracting. Uh, they just immerse you in a different way than yeah. with the dub. Because like you're you're you've got like you're having to use your peripherals a lot, yeah, and you miss a lot of stuff, right? So. Yeah, that kind of that kind of stinks. Which I will say, watching it that second time. So the first time I watched it on uh, my laptop, which was connected to mm-hmm. big screen, so I was able to read all the subtitles. But again, it was that muted color. Mm-hmm. So then when I watched it on my phone, it was a lot of color. I'd already kind of known what was going on. Right, so there were a lot right. of parts where I just like I was just watching. Right. Um. Ah, <laughs> uh, that B game. I wish I had. Wish I had. A, I wish I had a young child. So you can, well, that would you, play the B game. You can, you can you, pack it away in the brain. Pack it away for, for you never know. <laughs> for young little uh, Josh's coon. Josh coon. Josh coon to Josh coon yeah. to come around. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm same way. I'm. I would recommend this to pretty much everybody, especially if you have a child and another child on the way. Uh, yeah. Well, I think uh, young parents in general actually yeah. hone in specifically. I mean, this is. Again, I'm curious, and I don't know what Hasoda's personal life is, and I don't necessarily need to know, but I feel like, man, I feel like he has just lived through having a second or third child and is working it out creatively in a film, because I definitely feel that. Uh, I feel that passion in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I did I did like as well, like, because you can obviously see a lot of the similarities between his films, um, just like the, the animation and like the way the characters are drawn. So watching this, I was like... Um, there is a character that we meet. I want to say it's the second act because we have four main jump through times. Mm-hmm. So I want to say it's the second one where he meets and she, uh, that, that character looks remarkably like another character from Wolf Children. Right, right. And oh, I yeah. was watching that and was like, okay, I gotcha. Yeah, some similarities there mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and then, yeah, then we meet great grandpa. And 
my goodness, great grandpa. He's a very attractive looking <laughs> man. Oh, yeah. All right. So I guess we've got one more left. One more, well, one more showing, but it's three short films. Yes. Yeah. It's three short films put into one. Okay. So on to the next one. Let's do it. All right. And finally, for our last little uh, trio of films, we had the uh, Studio Panak shorts uh, titled Modest Heroes. And it came with three shorts. We had Invisible. Uh, Kanini and Kanini and Ka- Kanino. Uh, Ka- Konono. Konono. Kanino. Uh, let's see. Kanino. And then the last one, Life Ain't Gonna Lose. So we had three little, three films here. Um, the first one that we watched was uh, Kanini and Kanino, which was directed by um, Hiromasa Yonobayashi who is a Academy Award nominee for When Marnie Was There and Mary and the Witch's Flower. Um, the description, I think both Caleb and I take issue with the description here. I, I, I don't believe it. Uh, it says, Two crab brothers embark on a grand underwater adventure to find their father after an accident carries him far downstream. Depicted as tiny beings in a large and merciless natural world, the brothers must evade a series of freshwater predators if they are ever to reunite with their family again. So the reason that both of us kind of take issue with this is there is no way that Kanini is a boy. Well, it, it's, uh, I mean, listen, I don't, I don't like to like put gender genders into boxes and, you know, I don't want to oversimplify it, but the voice, the hair, the body type, I'm like, I don't, Right, I yeah, I it's know. very much that Kanini is a boy yeah. and Kanino is, I'm right. sorry, Kanino is a boy and. To me, at least, and then Kanini is yeah. a girl. Is a girl. But you know, I honestly though, um, it's annoying because I don't buy that description. But to be to be fair and real, it doesn't really matter what the gender is in the context of the story. Yeah, no, it's just this was. So we kind of talked about it. This was definitely the visual demo reel for Studio Panag. Yeah. They're like, all right, we're gonna show that we can do water. Like, nobody's business. And floating 3D stuff that looks cool. Mm-hmm. Lots of that. And they did water like it was nobody's business. Uh-huh. Um, it looked really good. I, especially, so when, like, our, our first shot off is just water trickling down a stream. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dang, that water looks good. It does. Like, it that water really looks good. really good. The fish look terrifying, too. I would not want to fight one of those fish. Nope. Be anywhere close to one of those fish. Nope, nope, nope. Um, I, I like the designs for the two characters and then dad who was very, you know, big, he kind of remind me, reminded me of, have you seen, um, day of the crows? Um, no, it is a French film. It is Uh, fantastic. Um, he looks very much like the dad from day of the crows. Very cool. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Um, it's a, it'll get you, it'll get you in the feels. I was just thinking it was more like the the dad from you know Little Mermaid or something like that. Yeah, that big kind of burly big bird beard, rather, yeah. rather you know. And I it's it's weird because like a little bit El Macho in there. It looks like they have a lot of siblings, and then the mom just is pregnant, and then she just kind of leaves. Okay, yeah, I didn't. I, I, I there's was a like, lot of things that I don't understand about did this. She one. go to heaven. She like ascended up high, where and had babies, and then came back down. And then also, the the short frames that like it's this uh, brother and sister or siblings, I should say, them versus by themselves. But then like at the end of the short, we see them swim like over to the next 
log and there's just tons of people i was like yeah that was a little bit where it's like where were you guys like three minutes ago you totally could have helped us save our dad we didn't have to go through this and melissa maybe that's a trial Maybe that dad constantly keeps getting beaten up. He likes to put his and those are all the older brothers and sisters. It's a brutal trial, man. Brutal trial. Um, But you know, I I, like you said, I I don't really think this is that much about the story. It's a it's it's a fine story. It looks really cool. It's fun. And coming off of the last two films we watched, it was a nice nice brush of. uh, It's a nice breath of fresh air. That's for sure. Very much so. Very much so. Um. So then we have come to our second. Well, okay. So what would you, who would you recommend this to? Anime fans who have time to kill on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> like, like if you got a good, like, you know, what was this? Maybe like 25 uh, minutes, uh, maybe the, the total package. Oh, the, this short. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think it was the shortest one. I think it was only like 12 or 13 minutes. Yeah. It didn't seem well, like invisible seemed really short. Yeah. Like there were like a couple things in invisible and then it was over. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I think this is a good, like if you're just, one, if you love Studio Panak uh, that much, yeah. Or if you love Ghibli because it, you know. It's got Ghibli Because yeah. it's, it's very much like, and that's what happened. Like, Studio Panak was formed because Miyazaki decided, like, he wanted to retire, quote unquote, this time. So he wanted to retire, and Ghibli was just shut down for a while. They had, there, was, there was no still, content. Yeah, they all wanted to have jobs still exactly it's like well i mean we, we're not really doing anything we want to produce more we want to make more things well they, i'm sure these people all worked really well together too i mean it shows in their work so yeah. they're like hey let's let's keep this party going somewhere else so yeah for fans of that uh some ghibli fans in studio panak and you just have like 20 minutes you want to kill yeah if you watched mary and the witch's flower and you're like you know what i could use the same type of uh character designs here yep there you go yeah uh then we have our second one which of the three personally my favorite? I really liked this one. I, I did. No, I think I I think I agree. I really like the second and third one better. I like this one and Invisible quite a bit more than I like the first one. But this one had a little heart to it. The stakes felt real. Yeah, you know? this one was is uh, Life Ain't Gonna Lose, um, and it was from the acclaimed animator um, Yoshiyuki Mamoros. I think that sounds right. Uh, he's the key animator on uh, Takahata's films at Studio Ghibli and the animation director for the of the video game Nino Kuni. So I do love me some Nino Nino Kuni. Knew it the first one that is the first one. Have you seen the play? Have Have you played the second one yet? Um, no, but my understanding is well, I've played a demo for it, but uh, I hear from reliable sources it's quite drastically different than the first game. Oh, uh, okay. And uh, they didn't use the same studio to come back and do the yeah. cutscenes. So sad day. I know um, a friend of the show, Jared Mariyama, he is a big fan of of Nino Kuni. So yeah, Nino, uh, pro- Nino Kuni one played. is an incredible game. Um, well, so uh, life ain't gonna lose. Um, well, I like this one because it felt like it immediately established states, stakes. We understand this uh, relationship between um, son and his mother. Uh, he has an uh, allergy to eggs, which is. Uh, that's a tough one, man. That you're basically, yeah. and I mean, in a lot of ways, it's not quite vegan because you can still have milk and dairy. But there's, I mean, eggs is in so so much, much stuff. stuff. Like, it really puts a huge limitation on that, and that's what I really liked about it. I felt like I, I never really thought about, hmm, wouldn't it suck to have an egg allergy? But or just any sort of major allergy. Mm-hmm. Like I've, uh, I am fortunate enough to not have be allergic to so far anything. Yeah, not probably. Really, yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is fake word. Um, it's cork, so we'll knock on the cork. And knock on the cork. Um, but yeah, so that's I've and I've never really known anybody who's had 
severe allergies yeah. to something. Now, this is this is epic severe allergies. This is uh, if you eat it, you if you don't get your shot like immediately. You, you could very easily die. Well, they were at the um, they were at one of those. Uh, what was it? A little like festival festival. Yeah, and somebody put like uh, mayonnaise on this. Uh, on something and I, like can, I can't remember what it was and it rubbed it on his face and he broke out broke out right yeah, there yeah. and they had to call 911 to come get him and I'm like that is a very severe vi- allergy violent allergy but you know there are people like that um, you can also see an allergy to peanuts in uh, Hereditary earlier this year in the film that featured severe violent allergies um, but uh, yeah so I think it's cool because it empathizes it just puts you in the shoes of like hey what is life look like for people with these allergies and that's something i think a lot of us who don't have allergies don't really have to think about and um you certainly don't see it humanized this way where it's like ah oh, it's not just we're we, we probably at least me i'm thinking oh that's a huge inconvenience that sucks but when you see it unfold in the story like oh my god this like yeah really wrecks your life a little bit because it's like what was it it uh it first starts off when he's you know in the hospital and everybody's trying the different foods so they mm-hmm. think they can you know eat food and he goes and then it was something, what was it, like a formula or something maybe when he was a kid, I guess? They didn't really, you know, delve too much on that one. Right. And then there was one where he was at a birthday party and he had, couldn't eat the cake. Yeah, I ate the cake and got, like, deathly ill. Yeah, and then the, and then we had the part at the festival. Mm-hmm. And it's just one of those, man. But I will say, I do like the fact that all of the, like, the kids in this in this story yeah. are all accepting of him. Yeah, they're not they're not jerks. They're yeah, nice. from what we've seen at least. Right, right. Like they even know like even the boys that were kind of you know teasing, they were like, "Oh, we got to put the put the blocks up." And so right. like they like block their face so they don't actually you know spit egg and in in or anything like that. I thought that was really really cool. And he got himself a little boo too. That's right. So, there you go. Got to got to have yourself a little girl. <laughs> well, I liked I liked uh, the animation style. Let's talk about that too cuz it's uh, I think this has probably the most creative uh, animation style yeah. of the bunch. Um, because it evolves over time, and again, it has. We talked about it earlier, um, but it ha- it's that animation style where it's partially rendered in 3D at times, and specifically at the beginning and the end, I noticed it quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm still not sure I love it, but then throughout, when it gets everything gets more stylized, um, that's when I didn't notice it as much. When the, the animation got very stylized, I didn't really notice the transition to the more 3D elements. Um, the color palette changed. It got. It turned a lot more into like almost like a water painting at times. Yeah, in a lot of the colors that they were, it was very much a lot of yellows and a lot of whites. So it's very much a lot of egg colors. Egg. Hmm, didn't even think about that. Yeah, Good point. It was, it was very much like an egg wash, if you will. Um, but I did like. Um, well, I, I take that back. There, there were parts of it with the animation that were a little bit weird for me. When we have the mom dancing with everybody. Uh, towards the end when she like slap right right before she slaps the cookie out of his hand mm-hmm. um that was that was all right animation but then when you see like the studio and she's like teaching the dance class it looked like they were just like wacky wave wavy oh, yeah. playable arm two people they were just like yeah they i was really like what it, was that thing they were into it it was like super super zumba then that cookie almost ate a cookie oh my gosh she's like you could have died woo that mom has passion Mm-hmm. I, I did like, um, and it does, uh, so they've got pretty much everything down to a science with him. He knows not what not to eat. He knows how to do everything. This was kind of like a moment of, like the cookie part was kind of like a moment of weakness because he was paying attention to his mom mm-hmm. dance. 
and you know someone put the cookies out and he just wasn't paying attention he was going to eat a cookie um but so he he kind of knows all of these things and then the ice cream happens right okay so he yeah he's eating ice cream and uh finds out after he takes his first bite that oh no the ice cream we've always gotten they've updated their formula and now it has egg whites in it mm-hmm. i like how he like he immediately freaked yes and was just like <gasps> turns around egg yolk and yes. it's like oh snap so yeah. well, calls and, you know, his mom everything and, and knows where the shot is is prepared mm-hmm. yeah that was it and that was really really like i was watching the whole time and i'm just thinking please don't die yeah. I'm like, no. don't, don't. This would be, this would be where this it gets you. Downer. We've had too many downers today already. Yeah. Let's, let's uh, uh, end on an uplifting note, which it does, which it does. His all mom, three of these, all yeah. three of these, end very upliftingly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a nice touch, though. I thought this one was probably my favorite as well. Yeah. It's close though, because I really like the next one, Invisible. I think mm-hmm. that's a a great one too. I like that the gimmick, so to speak, which is um, you know, uh, yeah, you want to. Uh, oh, I guess uh, life ain't gonna lose. It's uh, may- he makes his directorial debut in the uh, with a very different kind of story. Shun is an eight-year-old boy living in Tokyo who suffers from a life-threatening allergy to eggs. While his mother works hard to protect him and lead an ordinary life, one afternoon Shun has an unexpected encounter with an egg product, and he must begin a race against time to save himself. That makes it sound a lot more like rawr than like the whole of the short is, but you know. Uh, and then our lastly is uh, Invisible, which is the directing debut of uh, Akihiko. Sorry, yeah, yeah, Akihiko uh, Yashimata, um, a talented key animator on many Studio Ghibli and Hayao Miyazaki's best-known films. Wow! It's about a young man who wakes up one morning to discover that no one can see him, as he finds his life beginning to quite literally float away. Uh, a monotonous decision. Wow. That's not a word. Uh, that's a bad word. A monumentous decision, probably not monotonous. Um, a monumentous decision gives him a chance to reclaim his humanity. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an apt summary. I actually did feel like this was the most Ghibli esque of the three, very much so by by a lot. And uh, I thought the animation style was really cool. Had a good uh, look to it. Had that whimsy feel that I get from Ghibli films often. Definitely mm-hmm. more so than the other ones, even though whimsy but it was still set like in everyday japan yeah you know i i don't know i i like i like the visual of how the guy putting the glasses on you can see his glasses from behind when he's on his bicycle mm-hmm. it's really cool um it's very much like um have you ever seen padma inverted Mm-mm. oh man you need to watch padma inverted um it's very much like the same well not it can't be it's not the same story but it has the same type of i can't i um visuals if you will yeah yeah. like one person's floating up and everything like that it's it's the whole crux of the story so i don't want to ruin it for you okay but yeah so it's a lot of people floating Floating up up. so boy and a girl kind of have to like hold each other Mm -hmm. so one doesn't float away into space pretty much so um i when I was watching this, I was like, wow, this is very much like Pat. Because like, I was wondering, it's like, why is he like bringing that like fire extinguisher mm-hmm. with him everywhere? I was really confused. And then when he throws it and he starts, everything starts to go weightless. I was like, right. oh, that's the reason. Um, so I thought that was really good. Um, I, I thought it was, I get that nobody can see him. But like people should be able to see like the clothes and everything like that. Like, the world should have still worked because, like, the world is working for him 
90% of the time, except when it comes to, like, electronics. Right. Like, the computer doesn't work, and then the ATM doesn't work, right. and the automatic doors don't work. But And then she was able to, like, go through him. Like, the, the clerk was able to run through yeah, him. Yeah, you know, I don't – I think we're – I think with the reason – I'm also we, diving way too deep into this. Well, yeah, because I think a couple of things. I think one uh, – yeah, I don't think it's meant to be taken super deep. I think – I think this is just a him walking around with the clothes and stuff is meant to visually represent for the audience where he's at, not necessarily where the world sees him at per se. Um, one and yeah, and two, I don't think I don't think it was meant to be like super, you know, broken down per how he um, interacts with each piece of tech or yeah or what. But but I, I thought it was cool. I thought it was fun. Um, love the bike. The bike, yeah, the little moped was really, really cool. Um, I like that th- there was that other person who was there, too. Yes. Um, who had, like, the, the dog uh, that had, like, the little walking like handle thing on right, it. Right, right. And I thought that was a really cool touch. It's like, oh, so you need to be grounded as well, so mm-hmm. you use this dog. That's very, very clever. Mm-hmm. That's very, very clever. Well, kind of, I think it kind of speaks to the way we all have certain – um, possessions or people or pets in our life that kind of keep us down to earth a little bit. Um, and uh, frequently, uh, what the research shows, a lot of us, specifically younger folks, uh, millennials are very lonely a lot of the time. So yep. um, I think that really speaks to kind of that anxiety. Like, and, and sometimes we see other people who are kind of in that same place as us, right? So mm-hmm. oh, I, I, I thought it was touching. Yeah, this is a very good, like, this, like, so, uh, in the first one, it was very much visuals, the second one was very much the story, and this was the combination of the three. Yeah, I think it's a good balance. Yes. Um, I, I, I guess we didn't talk, who would you recommend the second one to? Oh, um, yeah, second one, I, I would actually throw that in, um, for someone who keeps up with stuff like Oscar shorts, uh, you know, it's hard enough to get people to watch short films anyway. But I, I mean, I think that's something I could show to basically anybody. Like, yeah. I, I feel like it's very accessible. It's a great little story. It's not long enough to be cumbersome. Um, it's just about finding the right occasion for something exactly. like that. And third one, uh, Ghibli fans. Period. I think. I mean, Ghibli. Yeah, I think. I think Ghibli fans are really like. I, I felt mo- this is the most Ghibli esque of the bunch by a yeah. lot. So I, I think they'll find a great deal to watch it and Ghibli fans you recommend any doesn't matter the length just say hey watch this cool short they'll watch it so when he was eating the little apple bun pastry thing Mm -hmm. I was looking at that I was like wow this is that looks really really good (laughs) like I I'm sitting there I'm like I I really like the way that they're doing this animation so like he's eating it and you can't see anything he's got a little bit on his mouth right Um, and then like when he opens his mouth a couple times you can kind of see him you know you know chewing but I thought that was really cool. I thought the rain was a really nice touch. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved whenever he was driving his moped. Like, he he didn't, like, drive it, like, perfect, which makes sense since he could float away at any time. Because, right, right. like, he's got his moped, like, tilted the entire time. Yeah, he, can't, he can't be balanced. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like he has to hold it, like, you know, tilty and... So thinking back of it, okay, yeah, it makes sense. But without knowing it, I was like, "Why are you riding your moped like that, sir?" Mm-hmm. It made no, it, it didn't make a lot. But uh, he I goes, think the floating, yeah, the floatiness though, kind of the weightlessness. I think, yeah, makes sense. So in order to, you know, become uninvisible again, he saves a baby, uh, who very. <laughs> It was very cliche, like a runaway stroller in front of a 
right. Sim on that's sure, about, sure. it's about yeah. to get hit. It's a little on the nose, um, yeah. But he saves it, and he plays peekaboo with the kid, which I guess are we supposed to think that maybe the when he did the peekaboo, possibly that's maybe when he... Well, it kind of reawakened some humanity yeah. there, and he felt like he and he felt seen because it was one of those when he was started handing the pin to the girl. You, he was starting to be seen a little bit. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Like it's 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 I think it's representing the emotional vulnerability. Like he needs to feel seen. That's why when he's handing the girl the pin, we start to see it. it's like he's starting to show a little bit more of himself. But then he, he then he, yeah, then, then he, he backs stops. away. Yeah. yeah. With the baby, again, making himself very vulnerable, you know, basically risking his life to save the baby, and he plays peekaboo. Very vulnerable moment. Mm-hmm. And the baby laughs, and then at the end, yeah. you see him driving down, and he starts getting hair, so it's like he's become visible again. Yeah, exactly. It's very, yeah, it was very, very good. You know what? I'm slowly starting to like this one a little bit more. I told you I liked it. I, I like re- it a lot, it man. It was really, really good. Oh, man. A lot of good ideas. Yeah. So, Caleb, thanks for coming on. Yeah, hey, no. This was fun. Thanks so much for having me on. This was a, a blast, an excuse to watch some anime and chat about it a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, one more time, where can everybody find you? We well, can find me uh, writing and doing podcasting over at the cinematropolis.com. We've got written essays going up there every week, and we've got a monthly podcast called The Cinematic Schematic, uh, where we do really deep dive analysis on new release films, film scores, uh, and just interviewing cool people. And, uh, of course, you can always find me tweeting on the internet. Uh, at C Masters Talk. That's letter C Masters Talk. And again, we're going to put all of those in the show notes. So just click on the show notes. You can find all of those. Um, we'll do some images and everything for all of these. So again, look in the show notes. You'll see press releases, everything like that for all the films that we've watched today. Um, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Josh L. Kane. You can find the podcast on Instagram at Animation Station Podcast, on Twitter at Animate Podcast, Facebook and Tumblr, Animation Station Podcast. You can go to our website, animationstationpodcast.com, and all of our episodes are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, anywhere that you can download a podcast. So, Caleb, thanks again for coming on, man. It was really fun. Hey, thanks, Josh. Yeah, I can't think of a better way to spend Saturday. Exactly. So, for the Animation Station Podcast, I'm Josh. I'm Caleb. Bye-bye, little butterfly. That makes no sense, you know, when I don't have my regular people here.